0: Welcome back to the wha-Q. Um The FAQ podcast invites you and people from all walks of life to converse about various access to equity within the context of Aotearoa. Um, uh, we invite you and guests to share your lived experiences in an effort to identify common threads within support systems, social networks and knowledge that uplifts the collective human experience.
1: Uh, in the first season, we have an overarching question that we're trying to explore um, with a variation of yes, and that is what does equity and support look like for various communities coexisting within one society?
0: Mm, and today we have
2: Megan Rogerson-Berry. Hello. <laughs> um,
1: do you want to introduce yourself as much or as little as you want, and what are your pronouns? Um, okay, um,
2: my, my name is Megan Rogerson-Berry. Like I said, um, I'm a female um 30 year old academic um in hamilton and um yeah my pronouns she her um yeah cool musician i should probably say as well yeah amazing musician
0: (laughs) honestly i don't know why but i heard position and i was like what
1: Whoa, (laughs) get your head out of there yeah okay cool cool so
0: it's just me then
1: (laughs) yeah always is (laughs) yeah
0: All right, so it. not limited to time. Um, tell us the different communities and community that you're attached to um, and you, you consider yourself to belong to.
2: Oh, okay. Mm. Um, so
0: we can go all the way to primary school.
2: Yeah. Um, okay, so I uh, was born in, in South Africa. Um, yep, I was born in South Africa and um, moved to New Zealand. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry, but me and Kelsey were like, what? 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 So yeah. yeah. Okay, carry on.
2: So yeah, moved to New Zealand when I was 10 with my family. Um, moved to Auckland, um, which was an experience. And I went to um, high school um, in Auckland with Auckland people, um, which was, <laughs> you know, fun. Um, uh, so I guess um, immigrant be one of one of the communities that I, I kind of belong to, mm. um, and um, uh, and then obviously musician would be another one. Um, started I guess taking music seriously in high school, and um, then as as I kind of went through high school, realised that that was my happy place, mm. um, and then came down to Hamilton to study music. So lovely music community in in Hamilton um and then um when i as i was i was studying it came out as um as gay so that that's the other community that i i guess i belong to um as well mm. um, yeah so yeah there's my 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 three different communities
0: mm. yeah beautiful and how, how do you reckon um, – well, did you feel supported within those three communities and did they support you or did you have to go and seek support from them?
2: Oh, <laughs> I think, you know, starting as an as an immigrant, I think, you know, it's a very, very difficult transition. You know, I think when – when even at 10 years old, like when, when we moved to – New Zealand, we thought, oh, well, because, you know, they speak the same language, things will be easier. Um, But the culture shock is just intense. Um, And, you know, fortunately, like, we lived in Auckland, where there were a lot of um, South African immigrants. Um, So there was, I guess, more for my parents than for me, there was, like, more of a um, support network Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, okay, this is, like, silly stuff, like, people People ask you to dinner and they're like, I'll bring a plate, you know, and it's like, uh, okay, why do you need a plate? Like, literally, don't you have your own plates? (laughs) Like, what's going on here? I was like, oh, 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 bring food. Oh, okay, cool, cool, got it. (laughs) <laughs> you know. So, oh,
0: are you guys that primitive? You don't have plates? Yeah, like, like <laughs> what is
2: going on here, you know? Things like, you know, supper for us would be dinner, whereas, you know, if people say come for supper in New Zealand, that doesn't mean the same thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, like, there's, there's culture shocks from that perspective. Um, and sort of having, I guess, people that know what the differences are is a big, you know, um, help. I mean uh, like I recently met a lady who's just like recently immigrated from South Africa and she was like I don't even know how to book a service for my car. Like <gasps> what what are all these different options? Like isn't it just a service? Like what why are there so many mm, options? Mm. Um and yeah, so I mean I guess there was support from that perspective, but going into school as an immigrant was 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 really really hard. I really struggled through school mm. um because the way of learning is really really different. Um, and, and, and your way of interacting with people is different as well. Um, so, and there isn't in, in primary schools anyway, there isn't any kind of, uh, or at that time anyway, there wasn't kind of any recognition that maybe there should be some support systems in place for that kind of thing. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's changed today. Um, but then, yeah, in the music community, like, like I said, I found my happy place at high school in the music department, but even that was kind of fraught a little bit with difficulty, um, because, you know, I was a drummer and, uh, and there was a sort of a prejudice, I guess, against girls who were drummers, you know, even amongst the teachers, Mm -hmm. um, who were like, well, because you're a girl, you're a useless drummer. And because you're a drummer, you're a useless musician, you know? Yeah. So like, even like literally almost word for word, that was, yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, constantly fighting to prove yourself to be accepted in that kind of community mm. um, but that changed when I came down to Hamilton and I started studying music here at Wintech um, and I sort of found my place I found my people mm. um, and sort of grew a lot in the in the safety of of the of this department um, which is the music department at, at Wintech um, and so yeah and then obviously and I, it's been a kind of a universal experience that I've seen for a lot of students in this department, anyway, they come. They come here, and they're little lost souls, and um, they find they find their family, they find their, their safe place, and they find somewhere where they're accepted. And oh. They have, yeah, they have people that you know will take care of them, you know, not just academically, but mm. like you know, spiritually and you know, emotionally, and and just have a place that's safe. Mm. Um, and because you know, there's when you're studying there's a lot of, I guess, um, things that can go wrong and can go bad. And at the same time, you're kind of, if you're in in the, the typical age bracket of somebody who's studying sort of from 18 upwards, you're going through a lot of like, I guess, growth and change, mm. you know, and so there's problems. And I guess, you know, that sort of pop up um, and to be, because it's quite a small department, really close knit department, to sort of have a place – I've seen people like, you know, and I've done it myself, you know, you get kicked out of home and the first place you come is here, you know, like just because you can just hang out here and it's safe. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I guess this this department was probably my my saving grace in a way because it was the it was the place where I could become myself, mm. you know. Uh, and that's that's been really important. That's why I've never left because yeah. <laughs> I've just been like – you know, it's just my safe place.
1: What's it like for you to be on the other side of that experience now and seeing other young people go through that?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that's the privilege of mm. being on the other side is being able to offer back, I guess. Wow. And sort of recognising that that's happening um, and seeing, I guess, um, what can be done um, for people that, that are going through that the students that are going through that, um, and sort of knowing what support services are, are available and mm-hmm. what, what what you can offer, and and um and yeah, just being supportive from that perspective, it's 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 really it's probably the most um, fulfilling part of my job. Mm. It's like one of the reasons why I like coming to work, you know, because yes. it's kind of like you see you see growth in people over a three year period where they go through all of these hardships and they struggle so much, you know, and then, and then they come out the other side and they're completely, I wouldn't say they're new people, but they're just more confident people,
3: Mm. Mm -hmm. you know,
2: that they're more secure in themselves and they feel, you know, feel comfortable in their own skin, you know? um, And, and that's, I wouldn't put it down to like what we teach here at all or or anything like that, mm-hmm. but I would put it down to the culture that we've built here.
0: beautiful. Yeah. love that, yeah um yeah. and then so I, I heard you speaking about um how school was kind of tough for you as a as a migrant. Um from my personal experience, I found myself connecting with other migrants oh, yeah. more than the, the than the local students. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um can you speak on that or how what was your experience through that?
2: Yeah, like I didn't have any Kiwi friends at school. Um, because it was in Auckland, we had a lot of, I guess, Asian immigrants. Mm. Um, and like I said, South African ones, people from different backgrounds. And all of my friends at school were Chinese or Taiwanese or Korean or um, or South African, you know. And I think that's because there's a, I guess, a naivety around um, living in a country that's yours. You know mm. what I mean? That you, until you've lived somewhere else, you kind of don't really understand.
0: Wow, beautiful. You
2: know? um, and and it's not that it's just a it's not a it's not a malicious thing at all mm. with with you know anybody. It's just kind of like there's hardships, you know, and there's there's confusion and and that kind of stuff, and and there's different cultures, you know, and um, and learning to adjust is a, is a long process. It's not something that happens really fast, Mm. you know, like now I would probably categorize myself more as Kiwi than anything else. Mm. But that's because I've had 20 years of of becoming a Kiwi, you know what I mean? Like where the culture is comfortable for me now, Mm. you know, and I'm married to a Kiwi. So it's kind of like, well, you know, we've had like the, the teaching experience together, you know, where we can take parts of each other's culture and kind of, mesh it into something that's comfortable for both of us you know um that's so,
3: really beautiful yeah. yeah
2: so uh yeah but it, it takes time and, and you just have to find your people um to be comfortable mm. I guess, while while that's happening
0: because that's like it like the migrant community these various communities within that so i guess to oh, me yeah. that's the beautiful part that i can all like when i when i came here it was almost like oh okay you guys like the, the the locals they already knew what what where, where to hold space and where to to be themselves yeah. whereas for um for a lot of us migrants like you'd find us awkwardly standing on the outskirts of the field yeah. and it's like oh wait you're standing alone should we stand alone together
2: yeah 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 yeah, yeah absolutely because i mean there's this kind of imposter type situation mm, mm. that happens where it's just like i'm in your country by your grace you know and 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 so there's a kind of a feeling of just perhaps inferiority yeah um a little bit around that like i don't i don't deserve everything that you take for granted um and so yeah a sort of a reluctance to participate or, or that kind of stuff like i don't think during school i don't i don't think i participated in any kind of um sort of ex- extracurricular or sort of social activities Partly because I belong to a really conservative religion but also, you know, because it was kind of just like oh, I don't really feel, you know, like I
3: belong. Mm,
2: yeah. Mm. So, yeah. Um, but then, yeah, obviously and then obviously uh, during my time at Wintech and, and studying I, I sort of realised that I was gay. <laughs> and then, oh my goodness, shot you <laughs> It's like, <laughs> like, oh, shit. Wait, is, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. is that
0: one of the recipes for the… <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I would hope so that you feel comfortable enough in this in this environment that you begin to realize that nobody's going to judge you um, for for who you are, <laughs> you mm. know what I mean, which is kind of what I realized being here and, and especially studying the topics that I was studying you know, about gender and media and that kind of stuff with with Matthew Bannister and um, sort of started to open my eyes and be like, oh, that thing that has been awkward for me my whole life is a thing, Mm. you know, and there's nothing wrong with that thing, you know. Um, Of course, like there was from a religious perspective, so I had sort of that to deal with. But
0: um, How deep were you in that? Because we call it the book club. Mm. Oh. And we were like. Okay,
2: okay. I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness.
0: <gasps> yeah, I'm just well, I, I don't know what that entails entirely, but okay, carry it's on. like
2: deeply conservative, mm. deeply, deeply conservative. So when I came out, I essentially got kicked out of home, and I lost all of my friends. And essentially, it's like an excommunication type thing. So because mm. they, 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 you know, like homosexuality is a sin, and 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 you can't, you know, you can't be gay. Um, and once you're out,
1: that's kind of it, right? Like no one's yeah. really allowed to
2: talk to you. Yeah, no one's allowed to talk to you at all. Yeah. So, I mean, I was fortunate in that like eventually like my mum was – or my whole family, you know, were Jehovah's Witnesses as well. And so my mum, you know, eventually she was just like, well, what's more important to me, you mm. know? Um. And And fortunately sort of did a bit of a U-turn from that perspective. And she's lovely, like – like two years later from from my coming out, she like came around and she was like, "It's Pride Week, I just thought I'd you know bring you some flowers and some chocolate. <laughs> oh, and I was like, yeah, that's so nice, beautiful, really lucky, you know, from shout that perspective, mom. yeah, shout out, mum, yeah, um, and she's been really, really supportive since then, and really like you know basically she's she'll be mum to anyone who needs her, mm. you know, um, so I was really lucky from that perspective, and my sister's as well, like my other sister's a member of the queer community as well and and they also just, you know, slowly, slowly, bit by bit, just sort of realized that I'm not hurting anyone, yeah, you know, and that's, you know, and eventually sort of left left that religion as well.
0: Mm. Fear versus ignorance. Where like, where do yeah. you reckon that that that's at?
2: Well, I think that that's the thing. I think ignorance breeds fear.
0: Oh, yeah. carry on. Tell me more.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, like, that's the thing. If you don't know anyone who's who's gay or who's part of the rainbow community, like, how are you supposed to know? like how you were supposed to see that that person is just the same person. Um, it's just about who they choose to be in a relationship with, you yeah. know, like and that, you know, I mean, we could argue about sort of homonormativity versus actual queerness. We could argue that, yeah, okay, maybe, you know, most people – are more prepared to accept homonormativity, like queer relationships that look like mm-hmm. straight relationships, but I just, you know, <laughs> like most people are more yeah. likely to accept that than they are to sort of accept true queer, true queer is a bit of a judgment statement, yeah. but true queer relationships. You know what I mean? Like, like I think you know, I had this discussion with my mum the other day about open relationships, and she was like, like, no, 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 and I was just like, mum, you know, like if it's like. It's a thing, you know, people do this, you know, and it doesn't mean it's bad, Mm. you know. What's bad is when people don't consent to this kind of thing. That's when it becomes damaging, Mm. you know, and sort of it's just a bit, yeah, it's about education it's about like – You know, okay, if it looks kind of like me, but just slightly different, I can deal with that. If it looks completely different to me, Mm -hmm. I can't deal with that
0: at all. You know, (gasps) you just call that society in so many (laughs) ways. Like you literally just just call. Carry on. Yeah, yeah,
2: I've seen that. Like,
1: um, for people to be comfortable, they know what to expect from you, and that is why I think labels are so prominent within our society because people want to know oh you're a lesbian okay I know what to expect from that yeah yeah exactly Um, and when we're outside of those labels like personally I identify as a queer person because it's not gendered and it doesn't reveal the gender of my partners yeah and it leaves some ambiguity because I don't want people to know everything and that's like not just a relationship thing for me that's like in my whole life I'm Ambiguous to yeah. some people. <laughs> Most people. <laughs> yeah. There's a select few that know more details than others. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think like people just want to know what to expect from you. So if your queer relationship or your homo relationship looks very similar to a heterosexual relationship, mm. they know what to expect, and they're like, "Oh, cool, yeah." So when you're gonna get married and get the house and have a baby.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's a that's a dangerous expectation, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, for queer people to to have, like, I don't know, know, like, it's kind of a little bit popcorn and kettle black here because I am married, but I don't actually believe in marriage as an institution, you know, like neither of us do. We don't believe in the institution of marriage. Ooh. We got married for a number of other reasons mm-hmm. that weren't to do with just like, you know, let's get married because that's what normal people do, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> it's a lot to do with having the same rights. As straight mm. people, you know, and, and and especially in the healthcare system, mm. you know, mm-hmm. to have power of attorney and to have, you know, uh, the ability to make decisions on the health and the well-being of your partner is so much easier when you're married. Like you don't realize yeah. how much prejudice there is out there, you know, until you get married and then you're just like, oh, this is so easy now. Like, why is it so easy now? You know, and you were fighting before, you know, against these kind of unconscious prejudices in the health system
0: but is that just the health system because i feel like that's such a like that's some bull like some a-class fuckery yeah if yeah. we're having to get married to fit into the religious like political systems and like to me i'm like yeah damn, yeah like that's so that's that to, like that to me is like like can you speak on it some more because i feel like that to me is just i can't be i yeah. can't even fathom that we would have to join their yeah, yeah, yeah. well, their system, knowledge systems, to yeah. operate and actually get the same benefits as humans. But that's just
1: like it's the world we live in.
0: Yeah.
2: <gasps> well, I mean, I think the thing is that, like, essentially, like in terms of if you, if you, if you are somebody's partner, theoretically, within the healthcare system or with other other sort of government agencies, theoretically, you have the same rights. Mm. Um. Mm-hmm. Doesn't always happen. Yeah, in practice, there's just a whole (laughs) lot more explaining that goes into Mm. it. Like, okay, like, okay, so who are you? Are you are you this person's sister? Like, what what like? It's like, no, I'm her wife, you know. And then it's like, oh, okay. Whereas before it's like, no, I'm her partner. Okay, so like, um, who do I contact? Well, me. Like mm. me, you talk to me. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like,
0: <laughs> I'm here. Yeah, I'm Thank here right you. now.
2: I will make the decisions right now, yeah. you know. Um, and so, yeah, it's, you know, and also I guess financially as well, there's benefits which don't sort of happen, um, you know, in terms of taxes and all that kind of stuff that don't happen in terms of like de facto partnerships mm. um, that should do, I think. And that's not just a queer thing. I think that's a that's a universal oh, yeah. thing about mm. de facto relationships. Um, and but at the same time the government's just like, oh so you're in a de facto relationship. okay, let me just cut your benefit. you know so I mean they'll take money away but they won't give money too, you know what I mean like that's the you know the, the weird thing about de facto. So I mean I guess marriage from that perspective is is helpful. Mm. Um, and also but I think like my wife and I we made like we made our marriage something that meant something to us rather than mm-hmm. meaning something yeah. to other people. That's so cool. You know, like we, we didn't have a traditional wedding because we both hate them. Like we were just like, why? Why do people do this? You know, so like we got married in a blanket fort in our lounge in our socks. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Do and you have just, photos? Yeah, I do. Can you I, show I, us yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, I'll show oh, you I later. I so want to see that. That's so cool.
2: But yeah, it was just us and our parents and our marriage celebrant. Um, and we just we invited our parents around for dinner um, and then we got married. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and wait
0: so was cool. it a surprise for them as well yeah they didn't
2: know <gasps> oh <laughs> yeah um yeah alex's mother started um crying <laughs> and um as soon as she sort of realized what was going on and my mum was just jumping up and down in excitement It was really <laughs> cute yeah so i mean that, and it was more about the fact that like we'd been together for so long and it was kind of like okay well what's the next step I guess for us in our relationship and and recognizing that we didn't really want to be with anybody else ever um and sort of recognizing that in a way that meant something to us Mm. Mm. um not because we were just like okay we have to be married you know like uh, in many ways like we we, we spent years being like should we shouldn't we should we shouldn't we like (laughs) <laughs> you know, because there's issues, right? Because marriage is a religious institution,
3: mm, right? Mm. So it's kind of
2: like, am I buying into those yeah. issues yeah. by getting married? Like, is it is it like, is it going against what I believe in to get mm. married? You know, mm. like it's yeah. a really problematic thing for the queer community because a lot of us have been burned badly by religion, you know, and 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 like, you know, yeah,
0: yeah. Talk Present. to me. Talk to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. I guess there's I. Everything that you said is exactly the the experience that I went through with religion because mm. I was raised super Catholic. Yeah. And then to be raised super Catholic in, an, in a small island community, yeah. it's almost like, oh, okay. Um, no, you have diversity of thought and intelligence. That's not what we do.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> That's yeah. not who we are, Joseph. Stay in the lane. Like, yeah. you're, you've got a number, you've got a line. Yeah. Go and stand in there. Yeah. And, yeah, I guess to me – yeah, me and me and Kelsey have had man, many conversations about the book club and how the book club's exclusive and instead sort of in- inclusive, of approach. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like, in a way, there's a superiority complex about us or nothing.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, but I think you know, like, I, I guess what I've thought about a lot is because I walked away from religion, being like, you know what, I don't believe. I don't, I'm not. I don't believe in a god. If this is what God looks like, yeah you know and but there's other there's queer people out there who want to believe or do believe in a god but they need a place to be accepted mm. and to be able to do that um and and i don't think that there's many many places that enable people
0: to do that oh so you're really calling us out and saying that we just need to create our own spaces and places to do that
2: well i mean i've seen I can't remember where I saw it, but I think it was a TV show about, you know, this one – oh, it was Queer Eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the episodes was oh, – have I've you seen that? that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. i um, And they went and made over this this church essentially that was for queer people to worship in in a safe place, mm. you know. And, I mean, that's only kind of Christianity. Like uh, I'm not really sure outside of, of Christianity what what is being done or, yeah. or anything like that. I'm not I'm not 100% sure, but um, – But I think that queer people do need safe spaces to worship it if that's Mm. how they choose to live. Yeah. You know. I Um, I 100% back that. And it's hard, I guess, because, like, you know, I'm I'm so cynical about it. I'm just like, really, why would you want to do that? You know what I mean? Like, I'm so cynical about it. But at the same time, you know, you have to accept that people, you know, just because we're a queer community doesn't mean we all think the same. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We all want to live the same, you know. There's difference in our community as well. So. That's
3: that's
0: beautiful. It's a conversation
2: like... we've had quite a bit, is yeah. the difference between c-
1: community and communities. Yeah. As often um the examples we use is like the queer community is by society just like, oh, that's just like one group of people. Yeah. But actually there's like thousands of different kinds of people within there. And then same with Pacifica communities, like the nuances between... Yeah. Samoan and Fiji culture, Fijian culture is so different. Yeah, but in Aotearoa, it's often just like, oh, that's the Pacifica community. Yeah. yeah, and no like recognition of those nuances.
2: Yeah, and that's again like that's ignorance, and that and that sort of breeds a bit of fear in very mm. many ways. And mm. you know, particularly for Pacifica communities, <laughs> for example, like I, I I get scared, I guess, around um, how I would behave. In in a particular cultural context, because I don't have specific details mm, around that.
0: At the same time, I think there's there's that that reverse as well, where they don't provide specific like specificities yeah. on like tikanga and approach. I think yeah. it's just almost like okay, if you're in, in in our space, you follow our tikanga, and it's yeah. like okay, cool. But we kind of need like a bridge between your tikanga and like us, yeah. Kind of thing. Like <laughs> yeah. we're currently standing here, like wanting to be respectful, but yeah. we don't know how.
2: Yeah. And that's I was having an interesting conversation with my sister the other day um particularly around the black black lives matter movement.
0: Oh, jump in there.
2: Oh, okay. I oh, know, I don't think so cuz what turned out to be a conversation <laughs> with my it ended up being a massive argument, but essentially I was kind of, you know, my philosophy around that is that uh I guess education around what you know, people of color need mm. is probably the most important thing. Um that needs to happen right now, mm. um, and 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 it's really difficult, I guess, when you're dealing with so much anger, justifiable anger, mm, mm. Uh, when you're dealing with so much anger to educate simultaneously. Yeah,
0: you know, and beautiful point.
2: Yeah, and th- I think that that's what white people need is education. You mm. know what I mean? Like that's what they need the most is education. You know, because I think we're so privileged in in sort of not not having to consider other people's perspectives. You know what I mean? Um, And again, you know, it's that ignorance thing because we don't consider other people's perspectives. We don't know about them. Mm. Um, And then ignorance breeds fear and breeds prejudice. Um, So, um, yeah, the education, I think, is just probably, for me anyway, the most important aspect of making any kind of change. Mm. Whose responsibility do you
1: think it is to provide the education?
2: Well, I mean, I think that this is the problem. Um, In that, you know, I think people of colour would know what they need but they're angry, you know, Mm. and they're justifiably angry and so is it their responsibility to educate white people in a kind, calm, caring way? You know what I mean? Like uh, probably not. like You know what I mean? (laughs) But at some point, you know, like can we educate, can white people educate each other on this kind of thing? Well, yeah, we can to a degree, Mm. but I don't think we're going to get the most effective education if we're educating each other. That's just our perspective rubbing off on each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, you know, it's a bit of a catch-22 situation Mm. from that perspective because I think, you know, we're going to need at some point – you know, a really robust system of education
3: mm.
2: um, that maybe won't come during the period of anger and revolt, which I needs to happen as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, yeah, whose responsibility is it? Well, that's a difficult question. Mm. You know, that's, you know. I think it's white people's responsibility to seek out education. Mm. That's for definite what I can say, I think. Mm-hmm. White people have to seek it out yeah. um, and find whatever's available to them. Um, and if they're not doing that, well, then it's kind of obvious that they don't care.
3: Mm.
2: Yeah. Um, but whose responsibility is it to educate? Well, that's that's more difficult to say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And see, that's, that's the part where it's like, where do you add value to yeah. that? Because it's like that's that's the part where I'm currently stuck at as well. Yeah. Only because it's like there's only so many conversations I can have without actually realising that those conversations are not turning into actions.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah. but it could be the first step.
0: Oh, but come on. We've been having conversations for so long. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like it's like in a point where I'm like <sighs> – yeah. these are not new conversations these are just different like yeah
2: and i think that that's where the anger and the and the and the um what's it called rioting and the everything i think that, that that's where that plays a part um because i think it forces white people to sit for a long time in the uncomfortableness of their privilege mm-hmm. and i think if you sit for long enough in the uncomfortableness of your privilege you might be more receptive to those conversations mm-hmm. so i think that that's where that has its place absolutely but then, at the same time, I was kind of like, you know, I guess, one of the, for in New Zealand anyway, one of the dangers, I guess, of of I guess, transferring all of our energy into the American Black Lives Matter movement.
0: Oh, love that! Go. Is
2: that we ignore what's on our front doorstep? Thank you. You mm-hmm. know, and we ignore the 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 racism and and the and the and I guess the, um, the problems and the issues. With our native i guess communities, mm, mm. you know, and the fact that that racism is institutional in New Zealand, you know it's in the treaty, you know, like it's in there, you know and 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 and, and that's that's a problem that just w- we can't afford to ignore that. we have to address it and i and I just one of the things that I worry about is that particularly if all of our young people point their attention to America, mm. they forget about New Zealand and, and and it's a very difficult balance because it's kind of like well these are both extremely important mm. movements or conversations to be had you know but like I don't know like for me personally I'd rather try and fix what's on my front doorstep
0: first. yeah and it's an excuse of sorts because it's like it's yeah. so convenient that you would focus your energy in a performative manner yeah Towards America instead of our own, like, you know, our own soils and our own front doors.
2: Yeah, I worry about that. Mm. I do, you know, because I think, you know, there's good that it's good that young people are so on board with this movement. But it's like, we need your energy here. Mm. You know, we need your anger here. Mm. You know, Um, we need you to affect change here, Mm. you know. And part of that is actually just using your vote. You know, like it's that easy. Like I I just, I can't deal with social media warriors, you know, where I'm just like, okay, (laughs) you know, you can, you can go and have your rant on social media, but like, honestly, literally, unless you go and vote, your, your opinion is invalid. Mm. You know, unless you do something, your little rant on social media is invalid, you know, to a degree, you know, like obviously like forcing people to sit in their privilege is a good thing. And that happens on social media a lot, but like, Put your money where your mouth is. Mm-hmm. Essentially, go and go and go and affect change in in actual practical ways um, as well. Um, so yeah, we got a bit sidetracked
0: here, but no, yeah, that's great. That's, that's like literally it. us. Um, all yeah. right. So now we're gonna jump a plot twist into. Um, tell us about your um, your current work that you're doing with your studies.
2: Yeah. Okay. Cool. So um, I guess. The transition, I guess between uh, you know studying here at Wintech and sort of coming out as gay was all related to academia mm. and the study of gender in, in, in popular music. That's when I kind of started to realize that, oh okay, this is this is who I am, this is what I identify with. Um, and and then sort of moving into a kind of queerness in popular music academically was where I sort of ended up going. And um, so I'm doing my PhD through RMIT in Australia, which is in in Melbourne. And um, the PhD is on um, queerness in popular music of the 21st century.
0: Wait, say that again.
2: Uh, Queerness in popular music of the 21st century. Wow. So that's like from like 2000 onwards, Mm. looking at queerness. Because I think the the thing is queer, queer music as an umbrella term, I guess, for like lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and everything else, is has changed, mm. I think. Um, I think, you know, back when we as a community or communities were more suppressed and more, I guess, targeted um, or um, had specific codes and conventions in our music to help us identify each other. Mm. Um, and now because I guess we have... I, guess, I don't want to call it equal rights, but equal rights. Um, yes. <laughs> um And we have more acceptance in, in mainstream. You know, we have more visibility in mainstream. We don't need that anymore.
3: Mm, mm.
2: As communities, I don't think we need that anymore. Um, and so music of the 21st century, I think anyway, is kind of reflecting that, that sort of number one, the diversities – of the different queer communities rather than the banding together mm. of the communities so like um for example in the you know the 70s and the 80s you had I guess lesbians listen to, you know, singer songwritery folk music, you know, like Katie Lang and that kind of stuff. That was lesbian (laughs) music, you know, you
3: know, whereas gay people, you know,
2: yeah, the old Katie Lang, you know, and, and gay and gay men would be, you know, um, dancing it up to some disco, you know what I mean? And that was, that was the coded music of the time, you Mm, know, mm. um, and also there was a lot of ambiguity in the lyrics of the music, you know, in terms of like, you know, it's raining men, hallelujah. Like I've just appropriated that from a woman singing that and now I'm a gay man and I've singing and i'm just like yeah, yeah. you know
0: um <laughs> i feel like you just killed me like, yeah <laughs> like, guilty
2: yeah and so like but that and that ambiguity was a way of i guess identifying each other yeah you know what i mean like to be like i read between the lines and i know what you're talking about mm. you know what i mean like i know you're one of me you know wow. so
0: would you just send like a, a song to somebody and that, and the, the, the lyrics yeah would be like, mm.
2: well i mean okay In everybody's coming out experiences and first uh, queer relationship experiences, who hasn't sent music to send signals? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. True, actually. This is so true. True. You know, because I (laughs) was really. From my experience, anyways. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I I've written a paper on it because I was on a Facebook. That's what you're group. gonna say I read a poem about, yeah, it. I read <laughs> about it, yeah. No, much more boring. I read a paper right. about it, oh. <laughs> and um, yeah, I was on this <laughs> Facebook group, and and this one this one um woman posted. She was like, "If I ever need to come out to someone, I'll just show them my playlist," and I was just like, "You're so right."
3: True. Yeah.
2: Like our music as communities, like it identifies us, mm. you know. Um, but then, obviously, we're in a constantly evolving, um, uh, I guess, culture. Culture. Yeah, um, and so our music evolves as well. And there's not much academic study on the evolution. Mm. I guess it's kind of still stuck in, you know, not not exclusively, but a lot of the time, just lesbian and gay music. Which, Hard. You know, but then you know, I guess the other thing is, you know, people over the past ten. Twenty years have become more uh, I guess um, explicit in the way that they address queerness in music like I'm thinking about um, Hayley Kiyoko girls Mm -hmm. like girls Mm -hmm. Um, that song you know girls like girls like boys do nothing new that's the lyric right and that's a really explicit lyric Mm. um, in terms of like okay I'm not straight you know um, or um, there's a Mary Lambert song called She Keeps Me Warm, and it's a love song to a woman, you know, <gasps> sung by a woman, you know. And um, Troy Sivan is another one who's not, not very explicit lyrically but quite quite explicit in his lyrics mm. around being a gay man. Um, and there's a sort of a host of sort of transgender musicians who uh, address um, being transgender in their lyrics as well. And so that's, I guess, I guess the sort of the advent of streaming plus, you know, the, the visibility of the rainbow community mm. in, you know, in mainstream Western culture has kind of affected the kinds of music that we make. And so what I'm trying to do with my, with my research is kind of be like, okay, well, what is queer music then? Mm. You know, mm. like what is it now? Because it's not what it used to be. Um, and importantly, like, I guess I think – Probably one of my main arguments is, you know, all of us, well not all of us, some of us better than others, but like gaita as a thing is important in or has been really important mm-hmm. in rainbow communities because, again, it helps us identify each other. Mm. Um, and I think that in music we can experience what what I'm kind of calling sonic gaita, mm. where you know, you listen to a song and it might not be about anything explicit um, in terms of its queerness, but we just know. Yeah. We know. We're like, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. And it was kind of based on an experience that I had with a musician called St. Vincent. I don't know if you've heard mm-hmm. of St. Vincent. Yeah. You've got to look her up, man. She's yeah. just amazing. She's an amazing musician. And, like, I listen to her albums and stuff and I, 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 I but i've never like usually if i feel like somebody's queer or whatever i'll just google them i'll be like right are they queer because i've got to know right but i never did that with her i was just like oh, okay this is really cool music and and i listened to her first album then i listened to like her third album and i was just like wow this is queer this is so queer like, the, uh, like i just know and i'd never sort of seen any videos or anything and then i went to a concert of hers at laneway and like literally the front three rows three rows were just like lesbians like lesbians <laughs> everywhere <laughs> Yeah. It's like, this is definitely queer, you know? Like, <laughs> this music is definitely queer. And so, like, that started, like, a whole ton of research into her music and me being like, what is it that made me think that in the first place? Like, where where is the sound that made me think mm. that this music was queer? Like, what is it that's going on that made me just know, you know? And, like, that's kind of where I'm at in my research. Like, I might end up being like, well, there wasn't a specific sound, but maybe it's got to do with other things, mm. Um, or generally just that, you know, queer people can identify themselves um, in music. Um, so, yeah, that's 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 mainly what my research is about, like proving that Sonic Gator is a thing and having a look at the changes in queer music over the last 20 years, you know, and, and sort of issues associated with that, like the, the mainstreaming of LGBTQ culture, I guess, mm. which is a problem, I think. You know, like I think we've been assimilated into mainstream media. You know, to the point where it's kind of like, oh, that's normal. You know, um, and while that's really important for visibility, mm. I feel like it's destroyed parts of our culture that we'll never get back.
3: Mm. Um, I see that. I I see.
2: Yeah. I um Like I feel like, um, for example, gay clubs. Yeah. They're gone. Yeah, they're not coming back. No, because we even don't need if them they're
1: there. They're just full of straight people. Yeah, I'm like, can you
2: not? Like, yeah, give us just
1: one space yeah. for ourselves?
2: Exactly, because it's just like <sighs> you don't need that. You don't need that exclusive, or theoretically, don't need that exclusive space anymore. But kind of like, actually, it's yeah, really important. We, we really do, you know, and. I've talked to people about this, like, because I thought, oh, maybe it's just Hamilton, like maybe because we just had one gay club and it's gone now. So, you know, <laughs> um, and but no, it's universal. It's happening everywhere. Gay clubs are just sh- shutting down. You know, they're just closing their doors because we have access, I guess, to queer culture through mainstream media. Mm. So we don't need it anymore. But it's kind of like actually that's a really, really important cultural artefact that we need to keep in place. Yeah.
1: For sure. And I think like the ka to no ka no hi, like the face-to-face face yeah. is really important in mm. any culture. Yeah. Because like imagine if we just like put all Pacifica culture like on TV,
2: like, yeah. oh, no, you don't need your fauna anymore. They're just like, you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's the point. Like we need a space where we can like – and it, maybe people – maybe it's got to do with like, um, you know – the internet as well and maybe people are like yeah i've got an online space so i'm cool but no it's just we just need somewhere f- because you know queer people are, are creatives you mm. know generally speaking you know we're culture creators you know because we're They're like
0: biting our stuff all the time and it's like i'm like looking at them i'm like you've been biting like our material for yeah, so long yeah our anecdotes the way yeah. that we do our things and express yeah. ourselves yeah. i'm like um yeah I'm sorry, but my fair my my friends and family can do this better.
2: Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's just because you know we're colorful. Mm. You know, as as communities, we're colorful, and and there's nowhere to grow that. I don't think anymore.
0: What about the ballroom scene, like uh, old ballroom music?
2: I don't know about this. Oh, tell me. No. Tell no. Me
0: about this. Um like so like it's like it's like whacking in vogue and like it's that whole like oh, underground yeah. culture. Yeah, 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 so yeah, the ballroom yeah. scene yeah. is literally like and I, I don't know if you've dived into their music, but we've got rappers who are genuinely like spitting out fire. And yeah, I'm like yeah, in my yeah. head, I'm like, Okay, your music's like the, the, the beats are still a bit like boom boom for me, but I'm like, yeah. Okay, your 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 rapping skills is actually pretty on form and they're calling out society yeah. and just being their best selves and it's yeah. like it's 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 kind of refreshing but at the same time i'm like because to me i'm at a point where um i always look at the culture um iceberg and i'm like 10 percent of this is that yeah yeah yeah. and we see it so it's, it's what we see the 10 percent is what we see yeah and then the 90 percent is all our underlying philosophies values and core beliefs yeah. and i'm like what are, what is that yeah. That creates the ten percent because I feel yeah. like there's there's a, rec- or there's a recipe or there's there, there's there's ingredients that that add value to that that I don't think we talk enough about and I think it might actually be mana enhancing if we dived into that space. Yeah, absolutely. And understood that, but yeah. have you found any of that? And or does that have any relation to your studies um, or your PhD? Sorry.
2: Yeah, I don't think I've. <laughs> it's really, I haven't got there yet. <laughs> mm um i think what i am trying to do which you know is proving quite difficult is is i'm i'm trying to do a whole lot of interviews mm-hmm. where i talk to people about their experiences um around i guess music um and around what makes them i guess view certain musics in certain ways and, and that kind of stuff and because i think you can't you can't just analyze stuff on a surface level you have to mm-hmm. dig a little bit deeper mm-hmm. um but, yeah, that's proving a little bit difficult to get willing participants. <laughs> so, so, yeah. I you you yeah, yeah, right yeah. Absolutely, I would love to, yeah, because, yeah, I, I think, you know, music, for me anyway, it's like, and what's become apparent through this project is music is, a, is an expression of what it means to be human. Mm. And, and and everybody's human lived experience is different but equally important. Mm. And I think unpacking For the queer community, what queer music does for them. Yeah. is, I think it's an understudied topic, Mm. you know. I think, you know, it's – and I think it has the potential to be revolutionary in the way that we think about how we share our culture with others. Yeah. You know, because I think, you know, lots of people capitalising on queer culture and shouldn't be, Mm. you know. And I just kind of feel like sometimes I just want something that's ours, you yeah. know, like just just back off, this is ours, <laughs> you know, like because mm. it's kind of like, you know, like it's special to us, mm. you know, and I think other people look at it and just be like, oh, you know, like let's just put some token lesbians in there, you know, and it's kind of like, no, that's don't, not what we want. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll make it ourselves. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll watch it ourselves. We'll listen to it ourselves, but don't take it and, and minimize it mm. essentially. Mm. Um, or just present the same version. Like every lesbian movie ever made is about the coming out story. I
1: hate it so much.
3: And
2: it's like, done. come on, man. Like, Jesus Christ, get over it, you know. Like, don't.
1: And I think it also makes, like, it ma- it represents our community as, like, that one thing. Yeah. And the reality is you have to come out every day. Like, yeah. it's not just a one and done kind of thing. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, so
3: you guys
1: yeah. are so right. So
2: frustrating. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Shows like Gentleman Jack, for example, we yeah. were talking about earlier. Like, it's great from from that perspective because it's sort of it's 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 a story of a person who's already gone through that mm-hmm. process. Yeah, you know, and 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 obviously written by lesbian screenwriters. Who know about the lived experience rather than some straight person mm. sort of copying what they 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 kind of yeah. think is what it is? You know what I mean? I'm not saying that not all not all you know queer movies are sort of written that way, but yeah, we need accurate representations of what our lives look like, not just like oh yeah I'm coming out and it's so horrible, but my first love and yeah, <laughs> you know like I'm so sick of those accurate yeah. <laughs> my first love saved me.
0: No. You know, no, 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 they, <laughs> no, they did not. No. <laughs> All right, so going yep. back to um, the uh, your, your first three um communities that you identified mm. um, belonging to and connected to, yeah, um, what support do you reckon? Or what does ideal support look like in those communities? So the music community, the immigrant community, and um what was the third queer one queer queer yeah. <laughs> yeah, the one that we're yeah the one that we're oh, talking we about. Yeah, also, about. the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, yeah, yeah, That's, yeah, What is ideal support in terms of like support for communities within that community? What do you rec- yeah. just pick one, or otherwise you can talk them all because I feel like you can. But <laughs>
2: uh how long do we have? Yeah. um <laughs> uh I think starting with the starting with the queer community, particularly in Hamilton. I think is it's really difficult in terms of finding, there are support networks out there, but in terms of finding, I guess an ideal fit, mm. um, I don't think there's enough diversity in support networks to find ideal fits. Um, yeah, I think that in Hamilton anyway, we're kind of stuck in the dark ages of kind of like binaries a little bit, you know, and that, you know, I went to a lesbian quiz night and literally it was 50-plus lesbians, like 50-year-old plus. And, you know, literally the quiz was, like, literally about, like, I guess aspects of lesbian history that I'm just like, then come on, man, like, give us some RuPaul. Like, give us some, you know, actual culture, not like where – Obviously grateful in terms of the sort of the protests that happened at the time, but like find something that's interesting for a variety of different people. Mm. You know what I mean? Like we're not all butch lesbians here. You know, some of us are a little bit different. Not to say there's anything wrong with butch lesbians, but I'm just saying in terms of diversity, recognising that there is a lot of diversity within the queer community Mm. and trying to cater a little bit more towards that. Um, So, but... I think the other thing in terms of support you know in workplaces uh, for the rainbow community, there's a thing called the rainbow tick um, which I don't know a lot about but I just know that like for my sister's work, for example, they have these rainbow lanyards that they wear um, if to sort of signal that they're available to talk about the sort of queer experience to mm-hmm. anybody who needs them. And I think that that's really valuable. I think that like having those kind of support networks in place, like I think, you know, having, I guess, um, s- specific rainbow support groups um, in large institutions such as this one is necessary. Mm. Like I, I think, you know, it's it's important because especially amongst younger people, like like I was saying earlier, like I think – the coming out experience or the sort of self-recognition experience or the, the sort of coming into yourself experience, experience more, more to the point is fraught with a whole lot of problems mm. that I think, you know, people need support with. But also I guess the fact that, you know, it's an everyday thing mm. where it's kind of like, you know, am I being discriminated against or not being able to talk about that, you know. Like sometimes, you know, you go home and you think you're mad. You're like, did I, did I, like, did that person actually just
0: microaggression me?
2: Yeah. Like, is it because I'm gay? Like, what, what, or am I just like, am I just being hypersensitive? Like, what, mm. you know, and being able to talk about those experiences and just be like, oh no, actually, no, 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 they probably are quite homophobic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like having strategies for dealing with that, I think within a workplace. But mm. yeah, um, is, is is I think, you know. That's an important
0: support. No, I I back it up 100% because I feel like, um, and if you're listening, and if you're a male, saying Mm. hey to someone who's gay is not appropriate. No, no, it's not. It's like, I don't know know why, but it's like, because I'm comfortable with who I am regardless of time and space. Yeah. I feel like these other straight males, straight cis males, and it doesn't matter what the colour is, straight cis males look at me and they're like hey or even hey girlfriend and i'm like that's not cool yeah no no no. like you um, don't have the right to do that no and then but i think in in a really sad genuine way they think that they're trying to relate to me oh
2: yeah yeah and And again they're prevalent
1: that's
0: not relating to me i'm like Mm. you're making fun of me your underlying Mm -hmm. philosophies is that you're better than me and Mm -hmm. at the end of the day you get to walk away and i get to deal with this yeah yeah exactly and I'm like, that's not intelligence to me. That's to me, like, that to me, I'm like, that's weakness yeah. through and through.
2: And again, I think that boils down to education as well. Like, mm. somebody like you guys to say, actually, that's not okay. Like, mm. like, like saying, oh, what's up, bro? For a Maori, to a white person to say that is it's like, that's offensive. Like, don't do it.
0: You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, bro, um, I've never seen you at my dinner table. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not your bro. <laughs> you <know>? I'm <laughs> like, sorry. You weren't there getting a hiding with me while I yeah. was... Yeah. Speaking back into the house, you're not my bro. Yeah,
2: exactly. And I think, you know, education is really important, mm. that kind of thing. And recognizing that, yeah, if you're friends with a queer person and they allow you to laugh with them, it's very different, mm. you know, and recognizing that, in, you know, even then, every time you have to have the allowance. You can't just take it for granted that because we had a joke about it last time, it's fine
0: yeah. this time. Mm. You know. Or when they they like I, I think we we all have this one friend yeah. who's straight and they want to tell you how supportive they are. Yeah. Oh and it's God. like, oh, I have a gay friend, or I have a gay oh, auntie, yeah. or gay oh, relative, no. and or I'm like,
1: all like, oh, they ever talk to you about is gay shit. And I'm <laughs> like, I am more
2: than this. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Honestly, I know who you're talking about. So I don't obsess about your sexuality. Can you not ex- yeah. obsess Get about your mine, please? Crack away from yeah. Me. yeah. Yeah. Oh oh my God, I- that's so annoying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think, you know, people are curious about it. And mm. I think there needs to be a forum where they can you know, the where it's appropriate to ask the questions. You know what I mean? Mm. But like recognizing that <laughs> that forum looks different to harassing your one queer friend Mm -hmm. all the time you know like yes you should be educating yourself but probably not like this Mm. and your one
0: queer friend doesn't speak on behalf of the whole of the queer community exactly
2: Exactly.
1: um, oh do
2: they not yeah (laughs) oh shit
0: (laughs) all right so keeping it to this um what's like in your personal experience um through life what's one topic that you think has been in the far queue that you'd like to bring forward
2: Oh, okay. Mm. Oh, that's a bit... I'm going to have to think about this for a minute. Um, I guess I think it is a lot to do with... probably, like, being different but equal. I think, you know, like queer people being different but equal mm. and not assimilating. I think that's probably... For me, that's where I'm at in my mind at the moment. Like I look for all intents and like I look like a homonormative lesbian mm. and I internally am not that. And I think it's because it's the path of least resistance um, and sort of realising that, yeah, we've come a really, really long way Um, in terms of having equal rights and, and, you know, same-sex marriage and and all of that kind of stuff. But now looking back and going, okay, we we should be able to have these things without assimilating into mainstream culture, Mm. you know. Mm. We don't have to look like them um, in order to live Mm. freely and equally, you know. We shouldn't have to look like them. Mm. And I think you know, like, this is this is long. Like, I think trans rights are a big deal. Um, I think that that's probably the next big hurdle. But then looking at sort of polyamorous couple, well, not couples, polyamorous um, relationships, yes. you know, and being yeah. like, okay, well, how do we treat that legally? You know what uh-huh. I mean? Like, how do we recognize that legally mm. as a valid thing because it is, mm. you know, um, and looking at other kinds of queer people, like. For example, you know, people who are gender fluid, you know, and recognising that actually if there's a male and a female box only on a form. Yeah. Like that's not actually fair, mm. you know, yeah. because there there is actually another, you know. There's multiple others, you know, and so.
0: And we don't want to be an other as well. Yeah. Like, you know, like we don't want to be an mm. other, you explain, yeah, yeah, on, yeah, the, yeah. on the form either. Yeah,
2: and then sort of. Yeah. But I think mainly, you know, there's other struggles coming in mm. in the future. But I think for me culturally anyway, and in terms of our lived experiences sort of talking about not assimilating mm. um a lot more and, and still Yeah, I guess some people might be like, Yeah, have your cake and eat it too, but that's what essentially we deserve that. We're mm. allowed we're allowed that. Um mm.
0: Because the majority have it, so why not us? Exactly, mm. exactly. And then, so to push your point even further, I'm like, I, I Kelsey's tired of me talking about this, but I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to be accepted. I want to be loved because acceptance is like, yeah. oh, I accept your difference.
2: Okay, I've got to tell you something.
0: Go there. Okay.
2: We were having a chat with um, a, what are they called? Those, um, 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 Religious people that mm. take care of people in organisations. What are they called?
1: Like a chaplain. A chaplain, that's <laughs> the one. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> they're in the <laughs> head.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: We're having a conversation with a chaplain and somebody asked, like, um, what's your take on the LGBTQ community? Like to ha- you or the chaplain? To the chaplain. Okay, And um, like, how would you approach that? Mm. Mm. And this chaplain said back to them, "They're like, well, I would approach that with grace. And I was like, that is the most offensive thing I've ever heard in my life before. Like, approach it with grace. Like, why would you approach that with grace? There's Mm. nothing to be graceful about. Like, we're literally human beings. Just treat us like you treat everyone else. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's not about acceptance. Like, you're right. It Mm. isn't. Like, I'm sorry, I don't have to earn your acceptance at Mm -hmm. all. You know? Um, Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And, and the same as, as anybody else. It's mm. kind of like, actually, if you like me, you like me. If you don't like me, you don't like me. And it's, it should have nothing to do with my sexuality mm. at all.
0: And see, I I, I totally extend that to, to to the diversity tick as well because it's like yeah. diversity is always like, oh, yeah, we're diverse in approach and thinking. And I'm like, no, you're fucking not. Yeah. You're, you're, you're accepting me for my indifference when you're not valuing me for what I actually bring yeah. to the table. Yeah. So it's like, to me, I'm really like, the more that I have these conversations is the more I'm connecting the fact that our struggle and the diversity struggle is mm. literally the same. Yeah. It's the same, mm. like. I what don't
2: want to be your token lesbian.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't yeah. want to <laughs> be a <your> token lesbian.
0: <laughs> okay, we don't have yeah. anyone who's a lesbian. We need to get one. And yeah, it's like,
2: exactly. Oh, we'll have that one. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: let's dial a lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> is that a thing? <laughs> dial a gay?
2: Yeah. I mean, look, there are the points where I think where it's just like, actually, even though that might be like, yes, you're the token lesbian, but actually becomes very valuable in some circumstances. Mm. So I think, but like having that attitude is not helpful, mm. you know, where it's just like, yeah, I'd much rather you just, you know, you know, work with me based on my own merits yeah. and not, nothing else, you know. But then again, I think you know. Conversely, just arguing about it philosophically for a second, I think that that, you know, it is a merit. Mm. You know, being queer is a merit. Yes. You know, uh, yeah, being a Pacifica is 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 a merit. You know, mm. or or um having different experiences to, I guess, people who have lived their whole lives in mainstream and with privilege. Is a
0: merit. 100%. Yeah.
2: Um, And so I guess in very many ways, we can add value, excessive amounts of value, just through that. You know? Um, Gosh. I need some toots. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, Are you running? So, which party are you running for? Because that's the one that I'm voting (laughs) for. When's your
2: TED talk? Yeah. Yeah, Thank you for coming to my TED talk.
0: Okay. No, all right. Thank you so much for that. That's so
1: good. If um if people want to get in, like hold of you or like yeah in your research or like wh- how wh- plug it in, where can we get Yeah, in yeah, yeah. With
2: you? um my email is probably the best way to do it. Um I know I can um, we can link yeah, it. Yeah, link below. it yeah, but it's it's berry at winted.ac Yeah, yeah. And Just yeah, send me an email. I'm like literally a nerd so I can like talk for hours <laughs> about everything. <laughs> yeah. So.
0: You're the type of e- so like so I, I call them like this: this shallow ears and surface, and then like deep ears. And I'm like, I think you're yeah. a deep thinker and a deep ear. So oh, I'm like, I, I definitely so. might be. Um, yeah. Jumping into. I your love email. having these
2: conversations. I'm just like, yeah, this is good. This is important stuff that we're talking about, you mm, know. Mm. And I think mm. you know sometimes, like it, particularly in you know the age of the um, what's it called? What do they call them? The outrage culture, you know. <laughs> Outra- outrage outrage culture it's kind of difficult sometimes to voice your opinion if it's 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 kind of like it's mm. not popular and mm. like cancel culture too yeah 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 and it's yeah. kind
1: of like yeah, yeah. <laughs> on social media I yeah i hate that shit
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but it's important to have these conversations and to sort of i guess like have different perspectives mm. Mm, sure.
0: and how they all connect as well it's like yeah Come on, we like what we we tied in immigrants to yeah.
3: yeah.
2: like
0: the yeah. Bible. But like
1: that's yeah. the beauty of it is the intersectionality between different yeah. yeah
2: yeah yeah exactly.
1: And everyone's intersections look really different. Yeah, mm. and you could have the same, but then your lived experiences could be quite unique as well. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. exactly. And that's a strength, kind of for like going back what mm-hmm. you're saying. That there's merit in that, mm-hmm. and there's also that has flow and effects into how we support a society that as. In that like mm. multi-dimensional like, yeah, yeah, space.
2: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And like I said, like it just boils down to education. So having right. these conversations is an educating factor, mm. you know, because it's kind of like anybody that listens might learn something that they hadn't thought of before, might be confronted by their own um, prejudices or their own, uh, I guess, I guess preconceptions about what what's going on here, and that's why what you guys are doing is is great. It's amazing. Mm-hmm
3: validation yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> alright don't
0: forget to like and subscribe our Instagram yeah do it um, uh, massive 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 uh, Mahi to you Meek, for just coming through and enriching us and mm. just really I feel like the what I'm going to take away is that I don't need permission I have merit to exist like yeah, I bring so. merit I am merit Oh like,
2: That like hit home for me. Yeah. Oh, Thank God. you guys so much for having me. Like, of course, of course. Thanks, I've a blast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 fuck you, fuck you.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Bye. Bye.